Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tron Cole Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Talkhouse Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got the guitarist singer of a great youngish band from Minneapolis in conversation with a hotshot guitarist who's just starting to make a name for herself. Nathan Stocker of Hippocampus and Yasmin Williams. Hippocampus formed just under a decade ago while Stocker and his bandmates were still in high school. They came out of the gate just as you might expect, eager and excited, releasing a series of EPs followed by a bang-bang pair of excellent albums and inspiring crowds at pretty much every festival you could think of. After touring behind 2018's Bambi, Hippocampus took some time to stretch their legs, with each member heading off into side projects of various sounds and sizes. But the band reconvened with fresh motivation and a clearer-eyed outlook last year, and they came up with a powerhouse of an album with the simple title, LP3. It's slightly more mature in the best ways, but still incredibly catchy and true to their sound. There's a lot of inward-looking existential lyrics, but wrapped in fantastic hooks. Here's a little taste of Ride or Die from Hippocampus's LP3, which is out this week. If you wanna go outside for my look, get by for my love, you can see you right through me. If you wanna go and get high for my love, make you cry for my love, like you said you knew me. If you wanna go and waste time for my love, pay no mind to my love, you can walk right through me. If you wanna go outside for my love, ride or die for my love, could you see you right through me? It was Stalker's idea to chat with guitarist Yasmin Williams, who he had recently come across via NPR's long-running, always-reliable Tiny Desk concert series. That performance was particularly captivating because you're not just hearing what Williams can do with an acoustic guitar, you're seeing it as well. She takes the foundation built by fingerstyle masters like John Fahey and Michael Hedges, but brings a modern sensibility to it. In this conversation, she talks a lot about her love of metal and math rock, bits of which you can almost hear in her beautiful playing. Williams has released two albums so far, And as you'll also hear in this chat, she's working on a third. Here's a little bit of the song Swift Breeze from last year's Urban Driftwood. Stocker didn't know each other at all prior to this chat, but it turned out that she's a Hippocampus fan. The two talk about guitar nerd stuff, YouTube videos by Andy McKee, being in competition with yourself, and of course, the inspiration for William's interest in music to begin with, a little game called Guitar Hero 2. Enjoy. I saw your uh, your tiny desk. Oh, where is it? And I was like, okay. Let's go. This is fire. <laughs> yeah, I was I was blown away. And so that was like just a couple weeks ago. So oh, sick. fresh wow. fresh on the Yasmin train, but it, I'm I'm here for it. It's you're Thanks. amazing Thanks at for what joining. you do. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Appreciate Where that. are you right now? I'm in Alexandria, Virginia. Where are you at? Uh Minneapolis. Oh, sick. I've never been, but I've heard good things. Come through. I hope so. Come through. <laughs> yeah. It's probably freezing, but it's snowing right now as we speak. Ew. It was 70 degrees here yesterday. That's 
Yeah. Okay. I'm jealous. Is that is that a mountain dulcimer? Like I'm seeing an instrument in the background. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It is sick. I saw it on Craigslist and I was like, okay, yeah. Yes. It's like a hundred bucks. It's not the most practical thing. Gotcha. But it's got a cool sound. Well, I feel like I've stopped myself so many times from making like those super late night Craigslist instrument purchases. I feel like the uh, acoustic instrument collection, like <laughs> at a certain point. It just gets like, well, like, what are you, what are you doing having like 10 guitars? It's ridiculous. It's just crazy. It's ridiculous. Like, I think I have like 13 guitars and I'm getting another one made now and I'm probably going to buy another one soon. Okay. Let's, let's hop in. Let's hop into guitar town. All right, cool. I saw the, uh, it's the sky top, right? That's like your, yes. your main, your yep. main guy. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of them before, but it's all custom. Yeah. It's like custom they're all custom guitars. Eric Weigeshoff is the guy that runs it. And it's he just makes these super high-end, custom-made acoustic guitars. He did a great job. I really didn't have anything to do with it. I just picked the woods and was like, "Crazy! you should build this. <laughs> I can't build anything. I saw on one of, I think it was the rig rundown that you did. You said the holes, are, they were like naturally in the wood, you know? Yeah. So The sound holes, holes on the front? Mm-hmm. That's so tight. I know. And it's like, it's cool because I'm a big fan of just like nature in general and just like sustainable stuff and reusing stuff. And like, it's really just like a piece of like driftwood. Like it's just like throwaway stuff that normally people wouldn't use, but he repurposed it into guitar tops, which is really cool. 2021. Here we go. Right. Boom. We got to do it. That's what it's all about. Yeah. This climate's getting out of hand. We got to repurpose. We got to repurpose stuff. When did you start playing guitar? Um, I was 12. So that was okay. 13 years ago. Nice. Yeah. I started playing because nice. of um, Guitar Hero 2, the game, the video game. Uh, I've spent my fair my fair share of time hitting nice. those, uh, those five buttons. I was never interested in guitar really before that. Like, I, I don't know. But after getting that game, it was just like, boom. It was cool. I wasn't really allowed a lot of video game time growing up but uh-huh. once i hit middle school and i started making friends with people who owned video game systems and then <laughs> yeah. I, you know i that was my hack i would just go over there and right guitar hero 3 was like like you know 2007 i wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of like secular music growing up in the church oh. and so guitar hero 3 was like my wow what, what would you call that i don't even know my breakthrough into that, yeah, that's being cool. a worldly person. How was that experience? Like in the church growing up? Yeah. It was great. I mean, the sense of community, that was kind of all I knew. And I carry that with me still. But in terms of <laughs> ingesting art and music and the parameters around those things, it was kind of constricting. Yeah. But only in hindsight, right? You know, it wasn't until I like got to high school and met everybody in hippocampus that the doors were kind of blown open for me but yeah guitar hero 3 that's interesting yeah it's where legend legends are born (laughs) i didn't grow up in the church per se but i wasn't really aware that the style of music that guitar hero 2 or guitar hero 3 included really existed sure um i didn't listen to like any rock music like i didn't know who the beatles were until like high school ish because we just didn't real listen to that yeah (laughs) like we listen to like jazz and we being my family listen to jazz and hip-hop and r&b and stuff like that is your family musical yeah Mm -hmm. 
both of my brothers sing and one of my brothers is in a go-go band if you've heard of that style of music it's like it's kind of like funk kind of like soul kind of yeah but like not i mean it is and it isn't there's anyway it's really cool it's like a regional dc style of music cool yeah my mom played instruments all throughout her childhood and adulthood my dad's like a go-go music connoisseur like he knows everything about it he's not like musical like he doesn't sing or play anything but he's like a dictionary when it comes to that or like an encyclopedia hell yeah the sommelier of go-go <laughs> so from guitar hero then it's a big turn i think with with the music that you make now you know like there's not a lot of acoustic tracks on guitar hero too yeah so where did that come from did you were you like on youtube and then like me discovered like candy rat and like andy mckee and then it was just like a, a wormhole i discovered candy rat late and i didn't like most of it so it wasn't really helpful (laughs) i wish it was more (laughs) helpful probably would have made things easier i mean a lot of the stuff that i was interested in like i was the only person who i thought like knew of it or like cared about like playing acoustic guitar that way so i just like was just kind of in my head for years with it i didn't really look to like outside influences cool which in hindsight um yeah it's cool but it was also like difficult because i don't know luckily i was a weird kid i guess so it wasn't really difficult at the time but looking back it would have been a lot easier had i just like went on youtube and just looked up like i don't know percussive finger style or something yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i'm happy i didn't do that so you're self-taught though like yeah you like figured it out for yourself like what you wanted to hear and like how you wanted to play certain things yeah i'm all self-taught yeah so were you um writing like right off the bat pretty much yeah when i switched to acoustic guitar it was like two years into me starting like playing guitar yeah acoustic guitar just lends itself at least for me super well to just writing songs I love the percussive elements of of acoustic guitar. That was like where I got my start as well. I was I was really drawn to that that instrument before electric guitar, I guess. Oh, really? I would go to my grandpa's house and he had this Gibson J50 and I'd just take it out and be like this thing is so old and <laughs> so beautiful and I'd go on their computer and like Candy Rat was yeah. like my home wow and i learned like a bunch of andy mckee's stuff and you know all those all those white dudes andy just... mckee is yeah he was one of the few that i liked on there because i felt like i don't know for me and this is why i like y'all so much the song is more important than whatever technique or whatever you're using and absolutely a lot of acoustic guitarists then and now seem to focus on technique mm-hmm. and the song itself is lacking And like Andy's a perfect example of harmonizing both of those elements, like technique and song to form something that you want to hear. I feel like you and y'all do the same thing. Like your guitar playing is difficult. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, (laughs) I feel the same. Having tried to like sit down and like, I'm like, dang, okay. (laughs) This is like math rocky, but like also like kind of like the Midwest emo thing happening. Mm -hmm. Like your tones are super awesome and i can't replicate that and yeah it's just it's it's great well i appreciate that i wish i could figure give me some lessons you got it (laughs) you got it but it's all you know it it's it was interesting all throughout high school that was the primary focus was emulating those um you know the 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 finger style acoustic guitar players online now that you say that i can definitely hear that and then bands started being a thing at my school (laughs) 
and we all started like playing different like coffee shops and things. And I was like, okay, I should probably pick up the electric guitar and trying to like hybrid those things together. Yeah. How was that switch? Like, did you miss the percussive elements of like acoustic? I did. I did. Yeah. But I also discovered the more like the gear oriented side of electric guitars and pedal boards and stuff. I mean, I know you have oh your, your gosh. setup yeah. and that whole thing. And it just became such a, uh, obsession with, yeah. I mean, the word tone itself, when you're talking to guitar players, I'm never trying to use that word. You know, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to stray from that word as far as possible because it's just like, I, I don't care what cables you use, man. I don't care. <laughs> You know, like it, it doesn't matter. Debate. <laughs> yeah. And looping back to what you were talking about, like technique wise with the mm -hmm. Candy Rat stuff, it is the song that we're searching for, I think, at the end of the day. Like that is like the number one priority. If you use different techniques and tricks and, and things to, to get to that point, then that's cool. But right. early on, I made the distinction. I was like, I don't want to be a guitar player. I want to be a musician and I want to be a songwriter and, and using the guitar to do that that's just like it's an instrument for that you know mm -hmm. it's a, literally an instrument guys for sure. like <laughs> use it and all these pedals and cables and shit like i don't know <laughs> i went down that wormhole and then it was like post rock and like in instrumental music like that oh, and my like goodness. Yep. where the song names are like the most creative part of the music <laughs> at a certain level sometimes i'm not shitting on post rock whatever yo wait we're but, about to have a fight <laughs> I mean, I'm a post-rock stan, so I can't really... That's, like, what kind of got me interested in I, this style of music anyway, it's, to be honest. It's all good. It's all good. We can disagree. You're correct on the title thing, though. <laughs> I'm kind of over-exaggerating, but I think that that is such a weird... I don't know if it's a skill, but... <laughs> I guess I'll just ask you, like, how do you name your songs? I was just going to say, as someone who doesn't name their own songs, it is a skill. I don't name my songs. I can't come really? up with titles. What do you do? You just uh, random song name? I ask people name? at shows or like a couple of times I had like competitions <laughs> to like let my fans decide which, what, like, what to name and pick the best one. That's rad. My mom names a lot of them. I think I've named two songs in my life. Like other people I feel like n almost know my music more than I do. Like it, it's sure. nice to have another perspective um, and to yeah. see if what I'm trying to like emote through the song is actually happening and usually it is which is why i can depend on other people to name my albums dude collaboration at its finest but yeah so you were a gearhead gear and now you're not a gearhead it comes and goes in waves you know like right now our guitar tech we're gonna build a guitar for this next tour that's coming up and oh, um wow i've never done that any details you can let slip yeah let's see uh <laughs> alder body nice quarter son 5a flame maple neck whoa uh rosewood fretboard you know nice bigsby it's like a strat body. Whoa, okay. Which I've never, you know, I've never, it looks pretty metal, actually, this guitar. Looks... <laughs> with a big speed. It's nice. just so, yeah, with a big speed, yeah. <laughs> it kind of scares me, which is why I think I have to do it. But <laughs> I'm excited. It's going to be cool. And my point with that was, I'm trying to get back to what my point was. <laughs> it comes and goes in waves, right? So, like, right now I feel like I have to kind of give a shit about it because of wanting to take 
this upcoming album to the next level and to kind of push myself to like not just thrash on stage but also the wave thing i love the simplicity of just plugging a, a guitar into like a shitty yeah. amp or something i miss and those days nice just time. making that work for you you know like yeah. there's so much that can be said for that Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the Talk House podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of Talk House is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. I have, like, my pedal collection, but I'm not, like, swapping out pedals every weekend for, for Sunday mm-hmm. service, you know, and then taking that, that photo that everybody takes, you know. It's like, <laughs> S- pedal board Sunday, you know. <laughs> I'm not into that, but it's a it's a love-hate relationship, you know. It's like if it gets me excited about creating things, making things, and just, like, sitting down and actually, like, tracking something, I'll turn a pedal on. I feel that. That's a good attitude to have, I think, about it. I also was obsessed for a while. A friend of mine got me into pedals, and I wish he hadn't because it, it ugh, <laughs> almost ruined my life. <laughs> Absolutely. Just looking at demos every day. It's just like, yeah, I need this pedal. I need eight. Shout out knobs, pedals. though. Shout out knobs. Oh my gosh. Knobs is such an OG. Knobs changed my life. Same. Yeah. Same. I wish he'd do more demos now. But I mean, he like did it. He started a whole wave of great like pedal demoers, which is yeah. great. I will watch knobs videos to chill. same just to hang out and like relax and like focus on my breathing and (laughs) literally meditate meditate. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i'm curious like the sales driven by those videos yeah the amount of money i've spent on shit after watching a video of his like crazy i've kind of been able to avoid that it's been extremely difficult throughout the years um just ridiculously difficult yeah but It's really like, I feel like my main thing, and this has kind of always been the case, is like, I focus on things I need to achieve what I need to achieve. And for a long time, it was like trying to get the best 
sounding acoustic guitar I could get. Like even with the rig rundown, like my board is just, that's, I only have those things on my board to like make my guitar sound good. Hmm. Like there's so many pedals that I want that are cool. Like, I don't know, like Strymon Night Sky or whatever sure. that I could probably use, but it's, I don't know. For me, it's like function. The pedal has mm-hmm. to like do something to help me sound better. It can't just be cool or sound like interesting. If I can't use it musically, then I can't really get it, which sucks. Yeah, I feel that. So are you ever writing like in the DAW or anything like that? Or are you kind of just sitting down and really like sketching it out? Are you notating at all ever? Yeah. So I do all of those things. It just depends on the song. Like some songs I'm notating a lot more now because my music is getting like to the point where it's not just guitar. So I just have to like notate for other instruments or whatever. I used to literally just sit down with just my phone and just turn on voice memo or whatever and just do that. I have like thousands of them, which I stopped doing yeah, that because it's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I can't keep up you, with what I'm doing. Yeah. You never finish anything. Exactly. Like usually how I write is like a puzzle. Like I'll take a voice memo from, I don't know, something I did yesterday and then like try to write something else for like the next two weeks. And like if I don't come up with anything, maybe something from two years ago fits and then like put those things together, something like that. So like yeah. some, it'll eventually end up getting used. It might take like five years, but it'll eventually get used at some point. That's the best. You never know. You never know. Like exactly anything could be the key to making a song, you know, taking a song from being good to being great or like, or working at all in the first place. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Record everything. That's, that's my mantra. Do you sketch things out like before you hit the studio or are you, do you kind of just like let things happen? in the studio or both in recent years it's both it's both cool that's good we 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 used to write in the room all together just like jamming ideas out and like struggling through songs you know just like okay we can't leave this room until we find this bridge you know Ugh, yeah which is fine but with this last record half of it was written pre-quarantine and then the rest of the album was written in quarantine and so there was a lot of um remote work being done and uh that kind of forced us to again look at our songwriting process and be like okay what works how do we all feel like we're being heard and acknowledged within the group and our ideas are being circulated in a way that's healthy and yeah we're always just like throwing things on and we have a hard time we have a hard time like I think the best ideas that we we come out of the gate with end up being distilled down and like kind of refined like throughout the process because otherwise it's just I mean uh, a disaster just a complete <laughs> catastrophe. <laughs> Everyone has thing. equal input it seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if like a song is like completely written start to finish by one person in the group like um, we'll all come in afterwards and add little production details. Um, We've got this studio in Minneapolis that's like, we've got a live room and utilizing that space has been a big part of this last batch of music that we are putting out. So cool. it's exciting, but it's it's weird to watch it grow and, and change and, and morph over the years. I don't know how you look at it like project to project or album to album, but are you still chasing like one thing in your playing or like maybe like the overarching vision of Yasmin, uh, like via acoustic guitar and like the music that you make, are you still like trying to gain that thing? Or do you feel like 
you're just on this journey and it's and it's more fluid. That's a, a shit show of a question. No, I, I get it completely, I think. I would like to say it's the latter, but it's the former. I'm trying to grow as a person to make it the second. <laughs> like, sure. To make it so I, I'm not caring about constant improvement. It's kind of my... I wouldn't say Achilles heel, but it's kind of a thing that I might have to calm down on. I don't know. I have a goal of making every record I put out like the absolute best I can put out at the time, which I guess is everybody's goal. But like, I, it's almost to the point of like feeling the need to like top myself after each release is will probably just put too much pressure on me at some point, which is kind of how sure. I'm feeling with this third record. <laughs> um, since I wasn't really expecting the second one to, I mean, I knew I was going to put it out, but like I, it came out better than... I thought it would, given the circumstances. Hey, there you go. <laughs> if that makes sense. Now for this next one, it's just like, uh, I my need to like constantly improve is even bigger than it was like a year ago. So now it's like, ah. Uh, kind of taking over. I mean, not take, it's a healthy relationship. It's just like I'm in competition with myself, which is probably weird. I would love to be able to think about it though in, in terms of like, just appreciate the journey that I'm taking as like a musician and I'm growing and improving and, you know, just what you were saying, but I'm still a bit neurotic. Are you in the middle of, re of recording it right now? No, I'm just getting like demos prepared and I have so many ideas in my head, which is another thing that I struggle with, especially now that I've met just so many other musicians and like I've collaborated with people way more than ever. Yeah. And I have like a long list of people I'd want to be on that I want on the record. And it's like, oh, I have to like narrow it down a little bit. Sure. And it's, I don't know, having options makes things difficult in terms of like mm -hmm. refining like what I want to do. But yeah. Yeah, I'm still writing for the third record, but it's cool. Happening quickly. Have you got you have you guys recorded like the new record? Yeah, it comes out February 4th. Oh, snap. So the plug, it's going to be cool. The last one was great. Thank you. I was going to ask you if producer-wise, are you kind of you're steering the ship? Or, yeah. or are you like working with, okay, cool. No, um, I've never done that. And I don't know if I know how to work with anyone. I mean, honestly, <laughs> this is going back to the neurotic thing. <laughs> I'm very much like, I don't know. I just like being in charge of, I don't want to say everything, but like for this last, for my first record, I was in charge of everything. Like I, I didn't overdub anything. Everything was like one or two takes. I was very adamant about having control over how it sounded and doing everything. With the second record, I let the engineer who did a wonderful job on the sound and just, he showed me new things and new techniques. And like, maybe you should do this and like make it more spacious and more lush and stuff. And for this third record, I don't know if I want to work with a producer, but I want to like just kind of relinquish some control over some things and let other people like help me make it better are you shooting for getting everything in like one take or not anymore i used to be very upset if i didn't get it perfectly in one take <laughs> which makes no sense right i just thought it was cheating yeah if i couldn't play it perfectly in a take then it's like well if i have to splice stuff that's not nope we gotta do it again <laughs> but where does that come from do you think i have no idea i really don't know I've thought hmm. about it and I can't figure it out, but it's, it's not, it's gone away. Like this last record, I was perfectly fine with just because there were a lot of moving parts. The more complex my songs get anyway, it's just not going to be. And like me adding other people in too, it's just, you know, yeah. overdubbing is yeah. happening. 
but right no i'm not i don't have to get it in one take anymore and plus i, I yeah. kind of can't with like all the overdubbing and um like intertwining parts and yeah like the that. layers of it yeah 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 it's a constant battle. I feel that with myself too, where, yeah. Like, do you get upset with yourself if you don't like <laughs> nail it in yeah. a take or two? Me, I've boiled it down to like the efficiency of it is something that I, I really want to like pride myself in. That's a really hit, good way to put it. Yeah. I'm like exactly hitting something. Same. Yeah. Just like being efficient, which means yeah. doing something quickly too, you know, in the studio, yeah. I think over the years, like if you can do something efficiently, the process is just so much more enjoyable Absolutely and so much agree. so much more fun. I think the music reflects the enjoyment with that. And a lot of times, I don't know if this is the case for you, but the first couple of takes are always the best. The longer you play something, the worse you're getting. The first or second takes, like it's like you barely got into the doors and that yeah. that makes like the that makes the experience better. Yeah. But like every take after that, you have to wait through like the whole movie. Until you can hit that thing again. Yeah, you know? exactly. You have to break this wall down again, and it's just fucking frustrating. It's and like, exhausting, yeah. Yeah, And, like, what am studio I doing? time ain't cheap either. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, hey. <laughs> I mean, hey. Dude, come to Minneapolis. Let's just, let's just do, let's just, let's make a track Yo, or something. That would be a dream. Absolutely. Our studio is, uh, it's a good time. It's kind of messy right now, but it's a good time. Cool. I will be down to do that for sure. All right, let's do it. It's going to happen. I can try to fit in fit in the hippocampus. Yeah, dude, we have... I think we're just going to be writing again next month. I think that's our, our plan, like, just to see where things are at and, like, maybe start the next record. But I think that... I think that'd be kind of tight. Very tight. We should just make, like... I don't think any. We've never made like an instrumental record there. That's what's up. Let's do it. I'm clapping for it. I saw in one of your interviews you were talking about metal. Yeah. So you played electric guitar first. Yes. And then you switched to okay. Were you like what were like top five? Metal. Okay. Top five metal. How do you pronounce it? Necrophagist, I think is how you pronounce the tech black tech death. No, they're like a. I guess are they black metal? I don't know. They're a very technical band. Um, Hell yeah. Obscura. I'm trying to think of people you might know. <laughs> sure. I found a lot of like underground, like Scandinavian dudes who like burned down churches and just did weird stuff like that. Yeah. I was That's very my angsty as a, as a kid. <laughs> I liked Slipknot. They count. They count. <laughs> we, I think we can count Slipknot at this point. They count. Just, I don't know why I'm. I don't know why I'm debating that. I love that. And Cannibal Corpse. And oh yeah, all right. What was the darn band? Nile. Nile. They were like Egyptian themed. There was like an Egyptian themed death metal band that I thought was interesting. Like Not they like... love. They only. They only talked about Egypt in their lyrics, like ancient Egypt. That's it. Suffocation is another huge one that I liked a lot. Their drummer, his blast beats are, I don't know how to describe, they're just brutal. <laughs> are you, are you just, a Tosin Abasi fan? Yes. Kay. That's a whole other like genre that I could list, rattle off. Yeah. Like, Animals as Leaders is, is great. <laughs> yeah. Top 10. Chan is great. Chan is great. Oh, Y'all are they great. make me feel. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. We got it. Top three. Animals as Leaders. Chan. Hippocampus. <laughs> Y'all give me those vibes, P's. though. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know. Three peas in a pod. It's brilliant. Like, come on, Buttercup, come on. 
Okay. Next tour, I think. Well, we should have a four band bill. You're headlining. Animals <laughs> as leaders. The hippocampus is first of four. That would be the happiest tour ever. It'd be so fun. People would flip. I was in Boise and I I saw Chan walking by. Oh my we were playing god. A show, in Boise. And I was like, that's Chan. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey Chan. I was just like, yeah. I, of all places, Boise? I didn't say hi though. I got scared. Yeah. I saw Abasi at Nam, and he just walked by me. And I also got scared and didn't say anything. Dude is ripped too. Yeah, Very had no idea. He was, whoa. <laughs> Bicep <laughs> is as big as me, wearing That's all black, rare. just walking with a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> do you you like get out of town like pretty often yeah now like lately like for touring or whatever yeah. even if not though just to visit friends because i have friends like spread out so sure i'm in new york a lot north carolina a lot cool minneapolis soon yeah dude honestly let's make it happen come through yeah i used to have a friend that lived there and he liked it wait where Sick. are you from uh, kind of all over. I was born in Arizona. Oh. And I guess my, my three mains are Minnesota, Arizona, and Texas. I lived in Texas for a little while in Houston. Oh, cool. Okay. But I was bopping around a bunch because my, my dad was a pastor. And so we were like planting churches kind of all over the place. Wow. Okay. And that's kind of where I also started like actually playing music was just like needing people to play music yeah. you know yeah it was like 20 person church in the middle of the desert wow so we needed somebody to play drums and i would <laughs> i'd i'd slap those drums and then yeah just kept kept playing and 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 all that but i yeah arizona got family out there that's cool but i've been living in in minnesota for the last 12 years or so 12 and a half years so it's it's definitely home yeah cool yeah, I don't see myself leaving anytime soon, I guess. Moved back up here a month before I started high school. Didn't know anybody. Dang. Just, like, thrown into it. And then the arts high school that I went to where we all went to. Oh, you went to an arts high school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it was cool. Per- performing arts high school. So we were all in, in different bands and, and, and things throughout those four years. And then Hippocampus started towards the end of it. All the kids that went to that school, like at least in my grade, that's kind of our crew still, which is kind that's of rare, wild. I feel like. That's extremely yeah, like, rare, but really cool. A lot of us stuck around and, and stayed in bands and, and different things throughout the cities. So, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have that community still, albeit a rare one. And there's a lot of baggage, too, at times that comes yeah, up. Yeah, it's cool, people. though. Man, yeah. I was in a performing arts like program in my high school. It wasn't a performing arts school, but the program was pretty big. So that's cool that you were in that. Okay, yeah. Was it like during the day or was it kind of like an after school thing? Or It was during the day and you like specialized in certain things. So we had like band, orchestra, choir, dance, theater, music tech. I was in music technology. Oh, cool. So you take like special classes. I was in band too, but music tech was like my focus. Okay, so like Sibelius? Yep. I mean, it's cool though, because like, I don't know, it's nice to be able to meet a lot of people and, you know, you have more options in terms of friends. Like having gone to small schools and larger schools, I definitely prefer larger schools. I I was like homeschooled for a while too. 
And then it was like, oh, wow. Whoa. Yeah. It was like homeschool and private school because my dad like got like discounts at the private schools because he was like the campus pastor or whatever. Were these like religious schools or just like private? Yeah. Regular, like, oh, okay. yeah, they were. They were like private Christian schools. Yeah. Yeah. So my first public school experience was high school. Wow. Ninth grade. I had, I had the best time. It was like. <laughs> It was unreal because it was like I would just geek out about music with these people that I'd never, you know, just strangers, you know. Yeah, it was really eye opening for me. And I got into metal. I feel like the metal phase was just like, you know, everybody when you're a freshman in high school, metal. It's just weird how that's a thing, regardless of like background or like upbringing. It's like if you hear metal, you're going to like it at some point as a freshman in high school. (laughs) It's universal. There's no there's no getting out of that. I feel like the technical appeal to it maybe is is the thing, but it fizzles out pretty quick. Oh, full circle though, right? Cuz like the the songs themselves, you know, like that's what we're trying to do. Exactly. The technical prowess of metal. I mean, I honestly I still love metal. It was a thing that lasted for All right. Whatever, man. I'm sorry. Whatever. You're right, though. No, you're right. You're right with the tech stuff. I don't listen to much of that anymore. But the more atmospheric metal or like, you know, the, the just sure that type of stuff is cool. So when are you going to pull out the metal zone for your next record? <laughs> Soon. Okay. I Come to Minneapolis. We'll put I, the metal zone exactly on it. That's exactly what I was going to say. I need to go there and see what, what, what we can do together. And it may or may not come out. I feel like it probably will. It has to now. Like, this is going to be yeah. published. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. This is going to be a thing. This is going to be a thing. Shout out, Yasmin. I mean, that. when's your... Thanks. Okay. Come to Minneapolis. We'll throw some demos down for the new record. Let me... Um, so we'll you just kick it. We'll just hang month, out. Man, I'll be on tour, but... Really? Yeah. Okay, well... I'm touring with Andy get... McKee, actually, funnily enough. Are you serious? Yeah. We're playing a lot of shows in california and i'm coming out you should oh my gosh you should that's so cool dude oh i'm so jealous that's amazing (laughs) have you met him no but no not in person yet so nice but he's i've everyone says how nice and sweet he is so i'm yeah hell of a guy uh, you're gonna have so much fun that's so cool i'm gonna come out i'm gonna come out to a show for sure yeah Dude, this has been great. I I really enjoyed talking to you and picking your brain. And same, so nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. This has been great. Woo. We did it. Thanks for listening to the Talkhouse podcast, and thanks to Nathan Stocker and Yasmin Williams for chatting. If you liked what you've heard, they both have great new music out now. And if you like the podcast, please follow Talkhouse on all your favorite podcasting services and social media channels. This week's episode was produced by Myron Kaplan, and as always, the Talkhouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.